Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's lovely to see you all. It's really good to be together and uh, what a privilege to be able to kick off the year with you like this at church. Um, it's really, really cool. I love that Brett said there's something between us. This is, uh, this is the chasm, the great divide that, that Jesus crossed, you know, it's beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. Really good to see you all this morning. Um, if you're here for the first time, we really want to say thank you for joining us. This is why we exist. We are, are a newish church that's, that's growing, that's being established in this community. And if you chose to visit with us today, we want to say we are so glad you came because we don't want to do church for church's sake. We don't want to do church for just church people. We want to be the best church, not in the city, but the best church for the city. So that's, we're so glad that you would come and you would come and investigate and see if this thing is, is, is a worthwhile investment of your time. And I really pray that you'll be encouraged and you'll have a lot of fun today with us. And at the very least, have a great cup of coffee after with us. So don't rush off. It's really cool. With that in mind, Fiona did mention we're launching small groups, life groups, cell groups, whatever you want to call them. We call them life groups. They're launching on Tuesday night this week. And uh, we are so excited because we're launching a brand new series called Love Thy Neighborhood. And it's the first time we've ever started a brand new series in life groups before we've preached about it on the Sunday. So you don't want to miss out. You want to be in life group this Tuesday. Love Thy Neighborhood. It's a four-week series that'll take us all the way up to Vision Sunday. I want to tell you this series we believe will revolutionize the way we do Christianity in our everyday life. It's going to challenge you. It's going to move you. And I believe it's going, to, it's going to put more flesh and blood, a little bit of dirt on this thing called Christianity. Take it out of the church and into what our everyday existence. Does that sound cool? Yeah. I think it sounds good. I'm excited for it. Love that neighborhood. Speaking about life groups, we are so excited. God is adding to us. We're growing. We are a community that believe, as Fee mentioned, that circles are better than rows. What I mean by that, on rows on Sunday, we sit in rows, but on Tuesdays we gather in circles and in, in smaller groups and homes where we're able to do life together. And on that, on that basis, we started at the end of last year, we had four life groups, four groups that met out of Milneton, um, out of Life Change Milneton, four groups that met. Can I tell you the exciting news? We now have eight. How's that? We are growing and God's doing stuff. It's amazing. I know. Very exciting, and I know Lee and Kelly, who are over at table, you say, leading worship, they launch a brand new life group on Tuesday. We've got Duran and Claire, who are launching a group in a few weeks' time. We've got Andrea Schutz, who's taking over a group and pioneering in young adult spaces. And coming soon to a, a city near you, Crystal Vandenberg and a host of, I know, I know, exciting, eh? She's got some fans, and a whole host of her mates, who are crazy pioneer people, are launching a life group in the City Bowl. And we're so excited. Why this is a big thing for us? Because we believe in community. But with the, the emphasis that we believe we want to reach our city, the way we planted this community was by starting life groups in Milneton. And then a church was there. So I'm telling you, these things are not just small things. It's to fill gaps. These are vision moments where we're able to say, and we'll pray for them in the weeks to come because we are sending them out to start small groups, start little lighthouses in, in dark places in the city. And we, we are trusting for big things. That God has got an agenda on the, on, on the map for us. So we're excited. So well done, sir. If you see them, if you want to join one of those new groups, come chat to me. I'll point you in their direction. They're really, really great people. But with that said, my name is Gabe Phillips, if you don't know me, and I'm married to that phenomenally beautiful announcer. Wow, Fiona, my lovely wife. We've been married for just uh, nearly three years now. And uh, Fiona is, if you didn't know, she is housing a new life. That's coming, yeah? It's coming to a theater near you in March. 
an operating theatre, of course. Uh, and, uh, and I want to just say, the more my wife is growing, the more she is glowing. <laughs> I worked on that line all week, and uh, she is looking stunning. She is so beautiful. Put it on the cover of a magazine, I say. I'm very, very lucky. But I promised myself, I said, I don't want to be one of those dads, you know, when I'm having a little girl, I don't want to be one of those dads at any moment in the mall, wherever he meets a new person, says, have you seen my new girl? Have you seen my little girl? And showing photos and all that. And I promised myself I'd never do that. But I lied. Here's a photo of my little girl. <laughs> Let's have a look at her. Oh, my word, eh? Can you believe it, eh? Sheesh, she's got my eyes, eh? <laughs> I asked the, the lady doing the, the little, whatever that's called, the, the scan, ironing of the clothes, whatever that was, the scan. I said, can you tell if she's got red hair yet? She said, no, no, you can't tell yet. Oh, okay. But I'm pretty sure she's got a red hair there. But a beautiful little girl coming in March. So we're so excited about that. But enough about me and our family. I wanted us to preach this morning. So I'm going to ask you, if you can take your Bibles out, turn to Acts chapter 3. The scripture is going to be on the screen. But I'm going to ask, we are a people that believe that preaching is a participation sport. It is not, it's a team sport, that we're preaching this together. I'm not here trying to entertain you. I'm here preaching and saying, let the word of God do something in me and do something in us as a people. So I'm going to ask us to do something this morning, if you, would, if you will. Could you stand to your feet as we read the Word of God? We don't believe in spectating. We want to be participating in what God's doing. And we do this just to say, Jesus, we stand. When someone important walks in the room, we stand. And we want to say the Word of God has highest authority in this church, highest authority in our lives. So let's read Acts chapter 3 together this morning. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple... A man lame from birth. Can you say lame from birth? It's underlined in my Bible. Was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the gate beautiful. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. Can you say that with me? Say look at us. Look at us. Beautiful. You guys are good. Sheesh. Brilliant. Say. Eh? The lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and held him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to the temple with them. And the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was a lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly. In my Bible, I've underlined holding tightly, and other translations say leaning, holding tightly, leaning to Peter and John. This morning, preaching on this text, before you sit down, I haven't preached for three whole weeks, three whole weeks, so I'm going to be a bit rusty. Been doing some warm-ups all week for this. I'm so excited. So I'm going to need your help. So if it's okay, if you're right, we're a little bit charismatic sometimes to get the ear going. Can you say to three people around you, because the title of my sermon is I'm up for it. I'm up for it. So can you say to someone around you, I don't know what's happening this year, but I'm up for it. (laughs) Give them a high five if you don't know them. As you do that, you can take your seat. And uh, if you are single, it's a good moment to say, how about a coffee? And they'll be like, I'm up for it. Oh, too late. You've got them. See, clever tactics here, guys. Clever tactics. But very, very excited. Let's pray before we preach. Father, I pray this morning. 
I pray for your word to do something deep inside of us. As we give attention to your word, I thank you, Father God, you're going to give us access to glorious things. Father, as we give attention to your word, would you give us access to incredible things? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Let me introduce you to the star of the story very quickly this morning. The star of the story, we're not told his name. He doesn't get a name or mention, even though he'd been there for a long time. He's just, we're just told, he's introduced as the lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. That's, he's introduced to us like that. This is a guy who doesn't have a name, but he does have a song. Does anyone who's been around church long enough will know? He went walking and leaping and praising God. Anyone know it? If you've never grown up in church, you won't know this. Just excuse us, we're weird. We sing these lame songs every now and then. But it, it, it's walking, leaping. He, he's got a song that, that most people in children's church know. They're like, oh, if we sang that with all the kids, they'll know that song. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we can loop it again. Everyone, no, I'm joking. He's got a song, but he doesn't have a name. How does that happen? The lame beggar, simply known as the lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. The Bible tells us lame since birth. Since birth. This guy was born without the ability to walk, and now he is 40 years old. If you read on in chapter 3, we found out there's 40 years of being lame. No opportunity to walk. He doesn't know the joy of running, of walking, of dancing with somebody. He doesn't know that feeling. This is a man who has been lame since birth. He's on top of that. This is a man that hasn't known sport. I, just, I was like, my heart broke for him. Shame. Anyway, this is a man who's become defined by his condition, lame beggar, and his location at the gate beautiful. He was so known by his, his, his condition and his location. This was a man who was bought out, wheeled out every morning for 40 years. If there's people who have known him, they know him. They recognize this guy. They probably knew his name, or maybe some didn't, but they just waved hello. And he was on the way to a church. Guys would... Greet him, some would throw some cash after the church. Good place to be because the people are now feeling guilty, they give money. Clever place, you know. Well done, give him that. But I'm just saying this guy was a man who had been stuck in the same place year after year after year. This is his identity. We don't know his name, but we know his condition and his location. Lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. Defined by his limitations. I want to ask you this. How does this guy... This lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. How in 10 verses, 11 verses, how does that guy who for 40 years, 40 years stuck in the same rut, nothing changes, 40 years, how in 11 verses does he become that guy and move to the guy who gets a song, walking, leaping, praising, where the song is identifying him by what he can do, not what he can't do. How does that happen? How does something happen so quickly and change? How does a man have his life transformed from just being the, the eyesore on the side of the road, the one that people want to avoid and walk past, the lame beggar at the gate, beautiful, and becoming the central figure in a riot revival type moment where crowds run and flock, and Peter gets to preach a sermon where hundreds get saved and, and come to Jesus. And not only that, it, it notifies the political religious leaders of the day. This guy becomes a central figure, and the political leaders get so angry because this has happened, they throw Peter and John in jail how does a lame beggar at the gate beautiful he's just a footnote who doesn't get named people step over walk around and they're just so used to him being there how does that guy become the central figure in the revival slash riot type moment that turned the city on his head 11 verses no 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 surely it needs to be a longer process than that what about some physio I don't know I want to help us get there this morning 
And I want to say this one thing. This morning, I have one main point, and I pray it gets deep in our hearts because it's, it's wrecking me and revolutionizing me in the last month or so. But this is my point this morning. It'll come up on the screen. Is this. Attention creates access. Attention creates access. The hinge moment in the story. People have come and walked past him. This is not just a, an isolated, quiet road. This is, he's not just on the, a backwater way. He's outside the local church, the place which was the center of society, where hundreds, if not thousands, would pass him every single day. Busy. And this guy is just getting, getting cash, getting some handouts, people getting a bit of abuse maybe sometimes. Hey, uh, get out of our way, man. We're on our way to church, you know, as Christians sometimes do. And, and you know, this guy just getting used to it. He knows it all, you know, all this thing. But actually, and, and caught up in amongst their legs. See, he has no legs, but he's caught up in their legs and their movements. But as, as these guys come past, two guys stop. Two guys stop, Peter and John. And I love what they said. As I made you say out, as I've underlined it several times in my Bible, the thing that they say to engage with this man is these words, look at us. Wow. Look at us. It sounds like as if they're demanding attention. You, look at us. This is not some sympathy-driven thing or cause-driven thing. There's something of, of, of heaven was bubbling this moment. They demand it. And I want to tell you that, that we are a people who are not good at giving attention to important things. Am I right? Maybe it's just me. The same reason why we fail exams because we did not read the instructions on the first page. The same reason that we burn the popcorn on the stove because the TV was just really good. and like, What's that burning smell? The same reason that we have a fender bender because we're on our cell phone. Attention. Attention. Attention is a problem. It's a deficit in our, in our society. But here's the thing. Attention creates access. As they said, look at us. I want to tell you the first point this morning, as it'll come on the screen under this, is that we have heaven's attention. God is looking for ours. We have heaven's attention. God is looking for us. I want to read a scripture to you this morning from Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. A man who wrote this, John, the apostle John was exiled on an island called Patmos. So his condition was he was exiled. He was isolated. He was put aside. His location was Patmos, an island that was arid, that was deserted, that he was left there to die. And he writes this apocryphal book called Revelation. And chapter 4, verse 1 and we're going to read it together now. Struck me as something interesting. Let's read it very quickly. The scripture says this. Then as I looked, then as I looked, I saw a door before me standing open in heaven. First point, as I looked. So I read the scriptures. I'm just sharing with you what's burning in my heart. As I looked. I want to ask you the question. What have you been giving attention to? What have you been giving attention to? If attention creates access, let me explain it this way. If you give attention to worry and anxiety, giving attention to worry and anxiety will create access to fear. Attention creates access. If you give attention to lust, confronts you and you just keep giving attention to it, it will eventually create destruction. Attention creates access. What have you been looking at Next thing says, as I looked, I saw a door. But I want to tell you this morning, the good news is that as John looked, as we look, he saw a door. For me, what does a door mean? A door means an opportunity. We are people who say time and time again, yeah, and this is deep inside who I am, that radical futures demand radical obedience. 
Radical futures demand radical obedience. We all want something to change, but we're not too sure we want to pay that price. As I saw an opportunity, I think a lot of us as I'm praying, I think inside my, who I am, I spend a lot of my life umming and ahhing and debating with myself about the call of God in my life. I mean, all right, what has God called me to? You know, doing these, this, this little Christian thing, and I, I, I crowd in Christianese, but I, I end up spending so much time looking, looking at my defects, my deficiencies, and my excuses. When John says, as I looked, I saw a door, an opportunity. We're going somewhere. He says, as I looked, I saw a door before me. Before me. This morning, I want to appeal to you that our future, your future, my future is determined by the direction we look. Before me. It says before me. There's no future behind you. There's no future around you. The future is before you. And let me tell you this thing that actually I think a lot of us are stuck in regret. We're stuck in and we replay again and again what has happened. We go with the what ifs, the missed opportunities, the unfairs. And we replay and say, if only life was different, I would have been at a different space now. If only that guy had said that. If only he had married me. If only I had not lost my job. If only my boss was different. If only, and we replay these things, and we're saying, if only that, then my future would be different. When God says, as I looked, I saw a door before you. There's no future behind you. There was a man named Moses in the Old Testament, and he led the Israelite people out of Egypt. How long were they in Egypt for? 40 years. Long time. And uh, as they walked, uh, 70 years, they walked out of Egypt. And as they came out of Egypt, they, they were coming and the chariots came behind them. The, Israelite, the Egyptians were chasing after them to bring them back into their past. And as they were being chased, they, they felt excitement about their future. But then the chariots behind them got louder and louder. And then they suddenly saw in front of them a, a sea. Behind them, chariots coming louder. And their attention is going, everything inside of them is, look behind, look behind, look behind you. They're coming to kill you, they're coming to take you back, and our slavery is going to get ten times worse. Oh my goodness, if only we had just stayed there and and hunkered down, maybe they would have been more lenient. Now we're going to get a hiding. The chariots are behind them, the sea is in front of them, but in front of them the sea starts to open. As I looked, I saw a door before me. In your life, I can tell you in my life that the chariots behind me will always be loud. But until we look forward, the sea won't be opening. A lot of us are still replaying and saying, God, would you rescue me from my past, my brokenness? And he says, it's in front of you. Attention creates access. We'll wrap this up neatly. I want to tell you strongly, what direction will you look? What direction will you look? We believe it, and it's more than a catchphrase here, that your best days are ahead of you. I believe it with everything inside of me, that good theology declares that God has good things in front of me. How do I know this? Because he leads me from glory to glory. He says this in 2 Corinthians, that Christ leads us in triumphal procession. He's a God that leads us into good things, into a future that's greater than where we've been before. And that is who God is. And he says, as I looked, I saw a door before me. The final thought in that scripture says, standing open in heaven. I want to tell you right now, as I said, we have heaven's attention. God's looking for ours. Because heaven is already open to you you and I. We don't have to do a rain dance to get heaven open. We don't have to say special prayers for, or can I tell you, it's actually not your needs that gets God to move. Believe it or not, God is not moved by your need. He's moved by faith. Let me tell you this incredible story. It's not our worship that opens heaven. 
I've, I've done it for years where we sing and I'll sing songs like this. Let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven. Bad theology. As if if I sing loud enough, God will go, okay, cool, then I'll open my heaven towards you. There was only one thing that opened heaven. And that was the precious blood of Jesus. And when Jesus' blood was shed, heaven was opened never to be shut to you and I ever again. As I looked, I saw a door before me standing open in heaven. Not Led Zeppelin's stairway to heaven and then knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. And if we knock loud enough, it'll open. If I try hard enough, if I give enough, if I, if I pray enough, why am I not seeing breakthrough? God, is, is it my, my past? What have I done that's not opening heaven? God says, as you look, there's a door standing open before you. Jesus opened it. It's his blood. Gangs of ballet, good friends of ours, sang a song. They sang, we live under warm skies. We live under warm skies. Not, not a God who, this, this, this Greek view of a Zeus-like God who is watching us with a lightning bolt saying, if you step out of line, if you don't get it right, bam! We, we, no, we don't have that God. We've got a God who lives under his smile, his approval. The heavens are open. We have heaven's attention. God is looking for ours. We have heaven's attention. God is looking for ours. Our second point this morning under attention creates access is we have heaven's invitation. God is waiting for our response. We have heaven's invitation. God is waiting for our response. As I said, this change will cost you something. In this moment, in the story that we started with is this lame beggar by the gate beautiful. The guy said, look at us. He looks at them thinking, oh, he has a good payday. These guys probably have got some bucks for me. And they say, silver and gold we do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Here comes a moment that transformed that from just being two men saying some phrases to them becoming conduits of heaven and changing everything came a moment where Peter puts out his hand and the guy had to respond. He could have gone there and heard those words and said, bless you, brother. Thank you. I'll walk spiritually. Thank you. Amen. I receive that word. Get up and walk. Thank you. Amen. I will be a walker in the spirit. Thank you, man. Can I have some money? He could have done that. He would have been the lame beggar at the gate, beautiful, who was encouraged. But he has a difference. Peter said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he put his hand out and said, come. Time to put everything on the line. Let me tell you, change will cost you something. It'll cost him his identity as a lame beggar. It's going to cost him his condition, cost him everything that he got used to, his income stream as well. He never worked besides begging. He had resorted to that. This was going to change everything. He could, in that moment, decision time, if I put my hand out and nothing happens, I'm going to tumble, my coins are going to go everywhere, I could be embarrassed. I might then have to get a job. Oh, that's a tough one. I'll have to get a new identity. I have to, no, people, they know me as a lame beggar. <laughs> no, it's going, to change, it's going to cost them something. Can I tell you what God has been speaking strongly to myself, strongly to my wife at the moment, is that we were made, we were made for conquest, advancement, and moving forward. We were made for that. Human beings were made to be moving forward, for conquest, to taking ground. The most dangerous place for a Christian. The most dangerous place for a Christian. Are you ready for it? It's a good one. You might want to write this one down. The most dangerous place for a Christian is comfort, safety, and preservation. Preserving what was. Comfortable. Just keep it tidy. Keep it here. Keep it here, as Trevor Noah says. Right? Keep it here. I'm, I'm fine. And I think in my life, if I'm honest, there's been moments where areas of my life have been lame, 
and the moment of God has come and I've been crying out for breakthrough and the moment has come for that thing and I go, I don't know if it's, gonna, if it's worth it. It's going to cost me a lot. I might have to humble myself. I might have to apologize. I might have to step up. I might have to, to, to confess things. I might have to take a risk. Oh, I'm happy with where I am. And the moment could pass by. Let me tell you, as I said, the most dangerous place for Krishna is comfort, safety, and preservation. I've said it, and I'll say it again, that if you are in neutral gear, neutral gear is a lovely gear when you're driving cars, if you're a student and your light's on yellow, because you put it in, in neutral and you can go cruise down that hill for ages. The problem is that for not too long, as soon as you hit a bit of an upslope, you're not going to get anywhere. Neutral gear, after any length of time, if you are in neutral gear, you will start to go backwards. Neutral gear was not made for forward propulsion forever. This is the thing. I'll tell you the story. I borrowed my friend's Honda Civic when I was 19 years old. It had blue lights and it was fancy. And he linked it to me in faith. And I was like, I'm the king of the world. I drove around slowly so people could see me in it. My window's down, pumping. Pumping the tunes, you know? And uh, I remember as I drove one day, I came home, you know, doing the one-handed thing with the one arm out there. We lived on a steep slope in Durban. And I parked the Honda Civic outside my house, neutral, pull up the handbrake, walking like this with the keys around the finger. I'm just a man. My cousin was walking out, and he said to me, hey, how did you get here? I said, I'm in the Civic. He goes, what Civic? I'm like, what? The car, the, the gear, the, the handbrake was holding, but the car was creeping backwards down the road. For dramatic effect, it was screaming down the road. And I just went into slow motion mode, and I ran, do, 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 do. I have the tiger was playing in my head. And I did a tuck and roll, opened the door, dove, dove in, slammed on brakes, saved it as just before it exploded at the bottom of the road. It wasn't quite like that, but the car, I could see everything. I thought my future salaries were going to go and pay for this thing. As I saw it go down, I was like, ah! But I learned a lesson that day. Neutral always ends up going backwards. Comfort, safety, preservation. You and I were not made to just preserve what was, look after our weaknesses, manage them, keep them quiet. I can just keep this lust under wraps, it's okay. You'll end up going backwards because attention creates access. It's a, it's a rule in the kingdom of God, a rule in life. Whatever you give your eyes to will create access to have power over you. Attention creates access. It's in the negative, it's in the positive. Let me tell you, give your attention to heaven and you'll get the attention of earth. This, this guy was a guy who people stepped over, didn't even want a name, didn't even have a name for him, doesn't make it in the, in the scriptures. Gets a song, but doesn't get a name. But in this moment, he gives attention that moment, not to his circumstance, not to his condition or his location. He gives his attention to what lies before him. I saw a door, an opportunity standing open before me. He saw that invitation. He says, I'm going to believe it. Takes hold of the hand, and as he stands, about instantly his legs. But when does his legs start to heal? As he was standing. Not in a moment. Uh, I think they're better. Uh, oh, hokey pokey. Shake them all about. No, it was as he engaged with what God was calling. As he stepped out in faith, they got healed. And as that was happening, then he starts walking, leaping, praising God, and they sing the song. It says, crowds come to flock and check out him. Give heaven your attention, you'll get earth's attention. Not only for the good, because the political religious leaders came and they were very offended by this miracle, offended by heaven invading through ordinary people. How dare you preach another name? What are you doing? Because why? They wanted to keep the system, keep it controlled, keep it safe, keep it preserved. We were made for conquest, advancement, moving forward. 
I want to land just with my story. Why is this personal for me at the moment? I think halfway through December, I just suddenly realized that I, that, that I had been giving my attention to comfort with, if I'm honest with you, suddenly a baby was thrown in the mix and I'm going, how am I going to afford this child? And I start putting financial things and I start cutting back on things. Start, and my focus was on financial things. Now, there's wisdom in financial things, but my attention was given fully on that. So pull back on generosity. Pull back on these things. Because I was giving my attention to comfort, to finances, and can I be honest? Fear of man. What you would think of me a lot of the times. And I would prepare things in terms of what will people think. If I couldn't confess, is that all right? <laughs> Safe place? Good. There's a hole here, so you can't get to me, so it's fine. <laughs> But I felt in that December, I felt God stir within me again. As I heard those words, you were not made for comfort, preservation. You are not made for just being lame and dragging. Hey, this, my right leg's working, but I've got that one area, so I'll just drag it along. It's fine. No one will notice. I'll just live in that place. But God gripped my heart, and I felt that scripture in the Revelations 4, it says, as I, saw, as I looked, I saw a door standing before me open in heaven. And then he hears a voice. John hears a voice. And the voice says, come up here. I'm up for it. Stand up. Come up here. These words grip my heart. And I really believe, I felt God say this to me, that when you can't see a way out, God will give you a way up. Maybe in your circumstance right now, I'm not here to trivialize what you're going through. Maybe there's deep pain in your heart and you feel this thing's held me and I don't know how to move from here. There's deep questions, there's anxiety, there's fears that have gripped you. I'm not saying this is easy. But I'm saying when you can't see a way out, the voice of God says, come up. Lift your eyes. Give attention to things that are higher than your circumstance around you. When you can't see a way out, God will provide a way up for you to engage with him. And circumstances will change. Let me tell you this incredible thing. is This is what happened, how it's practically wrecked me. Since around Christmas started to set my alarm early again. Confession of a pastor. I started, I know it sounds, it sounds so stupid, but I started to set my alarm early in the day to get up and seek God. Not in religious because I had to, not because there was something to preach, but because I wanted Him. I needed to give Him my attention. Because I had been starting my day thinking, how much money is in the bank? How am I going to make it? Okay, if I do that, da, 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 okay, I'll make it to the next thing. If I start my day thinking, well, I wonder where those people are. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder how they're doing. And, and if, if I give attention to that, the whole day I was giving access to those things inside my heart. When actually I was created to give attention to heavenly things and give access to heavenly perspective and outworking in my life. I started reading Psalm 101. I read it and, and it just ruined me for, in, the, in the best possible sense. Psalm 101 which says that I will walk with integrity in my house. And then there's, if you go read it, there's some absolutes, just for free here, absolutes of integrity. I refuse to look at things uh, with vile eyes. I will, I will, I will hate uh, immoral company. I will re, I'll resist. And it's incredible. We started to actually, I'm not going to take hold of my heart. I'm going to take hold of my eyes. I'm going to take hold of my thoughts. I'm going to take all these things that I've been allowing to drift in neutral and say, you will engage and give attention to heavenly things. Too long, I think I've let my, just let my heart drift. Let my eyes drift. Neutral. The problem is when we let them drift and we think it's okay and neutral, it will eventually start to go backwards because attention gives access. Attention creates access. So much so as I bring this into land, I say this not to, for dramatic effect or anything because this never happens to me. 
that as I've started to do that again, been having to realizing, waking up, as I said, give attention to heaven, you'll get a, the attention of earth, start to wake up in the middle of the night having spiritual attacks. And now maybe that sounds weird to you. It's okay. It sounds weird to me too. I'm still a bit like, what the heck? I don't have a framework for it because it doesn't happen often. But as soon as I've done this, waking up, feeling fear and anxiety and, and, and worry and, and fear, sensing things that I, I don't even understand. And my wife's like, what's going on here? And I'm not worried about that. Do you know why? Because I realize that when I give attention to heaven, when I start moving forward, when I start taking conquest, I realize I'm in a battle. I'm moving forward and fighting not for myself only, not for my family and their future, but for our future as a community, saying, God, you have got something for us. Otherwise, the enemy wouldn't be coming against us. The enemy loves it when we're just putting on our shows, putting on our religious ways and just keeping the neutral. But he says, actually, will you give attention to heaven and you'll see access on earth. You'll see heavenly access, things that you've never imagined. And I'm not saying this to say anything about myself because I know I'm wretched. I know that I'm lazy. I know that I'm insecure. But I'm saying I'm not going to give away to those excuses any longer. I'm going to not say, yes, I am the lame beggar at the gate beautiful. I know I am that guy. But because of Jesus, he's calling me to a different story, a different future. I will not hold myself to those anymore because I saw a door standing open before me, not behind me, not my excuses, but what God has got for me. We're going to land. We find the story in Acts chapter 3 finishes. We see the man being lame. He moves to leaping. And we finally see him leaning. And I always wonder, what, what's going on there? The last thing, he says, holding on to Peter and John. When he could walk, he could run. He could have gone, cheers, I'm out of here. Woo! Leaping, doing the long jump, signing up for every activity. He says, I'm going to start doing the chicken dance because I can now. You know? Only time was cool because he had never done it before. No, he could have done anything. God said, I'm going to go, oh, I don't know. What would be on your agenda first? But if we find him, the story culminates with him being lame, moving to leaping, leaning. What's going on there? And as I read it, I just found these words saying this. He was holding on to the ones who had healed him. And I feel that, if you want to know, how, how does this thing start this morning? Hold on to the one who heals you. This is not a call to try harder. This is not a call to work harder, get up earlier, do more, be more. Yes, there's something of engaging who God has called us to be, but the engaging, the attention that creates access is holding on and beholding Jesus. Leaning on Him, putting your full weight. Not saying, now I've got ability, so I'm going to trust my ability. My ability means I can now put it all back on Him. Hold on to the one who heals you. This is what true religion is for us. Holding on to Jesus. Pointing to him alone. Because this is how the scripture finishes. If we read the last scripture, Revelations 4. It says, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it. If I had time, I'd love to tell you the verses that go on from that that describe the throne, about the 24 elders that surround the throne, the angelic beings, the, the crazy heavenly activity that would blow our minds, the rainbow, the, 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 the lake, the, the lake of crystal that's behind, before them, the incredible things that are, that are out of this world imaginable that are happening around the throne that are beautiful, and the angels who start to sing, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and one said, no, no, that's not good enough. Has to be twice. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And after they're saying that, but the one said, no, 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 it's too little. Has to be three times. 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and it's happening, it's loud. I love to get into that. But can I tell you the thing that grips me? It's not the things that are happening around the throne, but the one who's sitting on it. This is the thing that for me that is amazing. Is why settle for giving your attention to any lesser thing than the one who sits on the throne? Your world may be crashing down around you, and you're wondering, how do I do this? How do I even stand? This guy's calling me to move forward. How can I even stand when my world's falling around? You can stand, sir, man, because he's seated on his throne. You can stand because he is seated on his throne. You can hold on to him because he is seated. He is unshaken. He is not worried about Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. He's not worried about ISIS. He's not worried about economy. He's not worried about Zuma. He's not worried about Israel, Palestine. He's not concerned because he says, I am seated on the throne and I will not change. That's our hope. Let's lift our eyes to him. Can I tell you? This morning as I land, I say, I'm up for whatever comes my way. I'm up for it. As the lame beggar said, I'm up for it. You want to walk in? I'm up for it. John says, look, I behold, and Jesus said, come up here. I'm up for it. I tell you, the invitation has been given. Will you respond? Heaven's attention is there. He's saying, will you give me mind? And I pray that you and I will say, I'm up for that. I'm up for it. I'm in for this adventure. I'm up for whatever comes my way because I've given my attention to the one who has given me access to the throne. I'm not going to settle for anything less. And I pray you won't too. This morning as we finish and we land, I want to pray that we'll be a people who move from being lame to leaping and leaning. That we'll be a people who move from just allowing our thoughts and, and our minds and our eyes and our hearts just to drift and say, God, I'm going to give attention to the one on the throne because attention creates access. Because you and I, sir, ma'am, whether you know it or not, we were created for spiritual things. We're not physical people with a spiritual itch. We are spiritual people trying to work out what it means to be physical in this world. We are primarily physical people in a spiritual battle, and we need to remind ourselves of that and say, that's why I have to give attention to spiritual things. Creates access to futures that you and I would never be able to create on our own. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I am encouraged I'm stirred, I'm challenged, and in a sense, I'm sobered by your word. I pray in this moment, God, you are doing something special here at Life Changes Bulletin. Father, as we worship this morning, and as I get to look out and see hearts and hands and eyes lifted to heaven, hungry, crying out in desperation, saying, we need you, God. You are worthy of it all. As you do that in our hearts, God, but you, you shift it from mere religious response to our absolute desperation. I thank you, Father God, as we as a church give attention to you, you're just going to start opening things and giving us access to freedom, to healing, to restoration, to provision, to futures that we would never be able to create. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I want to make a shift. I'm making a shift from neutral gear to moving forward. I'm making a shift and saying, I'm up for it. I'm up for this thing. I'd love to pray for you, but I'm going to ask you in response just to lift your hands as high as you can to heaven. Give heaven your attention. Lift your hands. Lift your eyes to him. Lift your eyes to Jesus. Say, Jesus, you have my attention. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Uh, I pray, God, as these hands are lifted, just not as anything else, but not trying to get your attention because we have your attention. But you say, Jesus, you have ours. I thank you right now, God, your spirit would speak words. 
speak truth. Right now, we would hear the voice of heaven saying, come up here. Come up here. Maybe there's not a way out, but I'm providing a way up for you to see a different perspective. I thank you, Jesus, right now. You're doing deep things in our hearts. Spirit of the living God, stir in us a hunger, a desire, and wreck us for anything lesser than the one who sits on the throne. So I looked, and I saw a door before me standing open. I heard a voice, like the trumpet blast, saying, Come up here. We respond to you. We say we give your word attention. So you give us access to glorious things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I pray that God does deep things in us. Tuesday night at Life Groups, make sure you sign up for one. Coffee is going on outside. If you visit us, free on us. But if you need prayer, the assignments for Alpha on my right, Casey in the red shirt will be over there. But if you need prayer for anything, anything we've spoken on, or you're saying, I'm needing somebody to, to stand with me and trust with me, please come to the front. We won't put you in the pit. We'll keep you out of it. But come, we'd love to pray with you. Don't leave without doing that. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen.